0: You're listening to the CyberWire Network, powered by N2K.
1: Hello, everyone, and welcome to the CyberWire's Research Saturday. I'm Dave Bittner, and this is our weekly conversation with researchers and analysts tracking down threats and vulnerabilities and solving some of the hard problems of protecting ourselves in a rapidly evolving cyberspace. Thanks for joining us. And now, a word from our sponsor, Zscaler, the leader in cloud security. Cyber attackers are using AI in creative ways to compromise users and breach organizations. In a security landscape where you must fight AI with AI,
0: Universal Plug and Play was rolled out by Microsoft and it was intended to make networking in a consumer environment user-friendly and automatic.
1: That's Chad Seaman. He's a senior cert engineer at Akamai. Our conversation centers on their recently published white paper, UPN Proxy, Black Hat Proxies via NAT Injections.
0: If your Xbox, if you're loading up a game and and it needs ports 60 through 61,000, with UDP, it may send traffic to you on requests that you did not necessarily initiate. Your NAT will block that. So if if something is attempting to come into your network, but the NAT has not seen you communicate out on those ports, it will not know that that traffic is destined for you and won't really know what to do with it, so it'll just throw it away. Hmm. So what NAT was made for was your a machine behind your router could interact with UPnP and pop holes to destine that traffic to you at all times. Think of it like automatic port forwarding configurations.
1: And, and what does NAT stand for?
0: Uh, Network Address Translation. All right, so that's the
1: intention, uh, but how did it actually work out?
0: I mean, it, it works really well. Uh, it's for gaming and, and consumer networks. It meets its intended goal. The problem is there were several flawed implementations that were introduced into the wild by various vendors and software stacks. So
1: take us through, uh, what, what's the history of the vulnerabilities there?
0: 2006, a researcher came out and basically said, hey, there's a bunch of these UPnP-enabled devices, whereas it's it's a Landscapes technology. It's not meant to ever be on the internet. It's meant to run on your local network. Some of these daemons that are running this technology on these devices is basically listening on both interfaces. It's not just listening on the LAN side of the network, it's listening on the WAN side, and it's responding. And that is the fundamental problem. There have been other vulnerabilities discovered in the UPnP stack, remote code execution and command injection and stuff like that, but all of this primarily centers around the one flaw that is... Parts of the technology that should never be on the internet are listening on the interface that faces the internet and responding.
1: I see. So walk us through that. How does this uh, NAT injection exactly work?
0: The first step is it's called SSTP, which is Simple Service Discovery Protocol. Uh, it's the UDP portion. So if you have ever been on a network, a local network, and you've opened up Wireshark and started listening, you would start seeing all of these connections and, and things coming through uh, that are broadcast UDP traffic. And they're basically doing what's a, an SSDP service discovery request. So anything running on the network that's running SSDP will see these requests come in and respond back and say, hey, I speak this language, and here are the services I offer. Because, once again, we're assuming we're on a LAN network and the devices there are trusted. Mm. And this is how these devices expose media streaming capabilities and you know, how how a device can find the router that it needs to poke holes in for NAT purposes. So the first step is that UDP broadcast, which people are already using for DDoS purposes, but the response that comes back actually has some more information inside of it. And some of that information is the location as to where you can find the UPnP TCP components, the the daemons that control NAT and other service offerings for that device. So for the routers you can hit them with an ssdp request if they respond to that it means they're that's already one flaw right it should be responding to that to the outside world correct and when it responds back it tells you where to find the upnp daemon but the upnp daemon is scoped with the ip address assuming that you're on the lan so you know it might say go to 192.168.1.1 port 56538 slash and then give you a whole path potentially sometimes even with uh, the, the UIDs of the device to make it so you can't just guess it. Hmm. You know? So it, it was designed to be <laughs> not really able to be found su- super easily uh, or guessable, and uh, you take that and change that IP from the internal to the external IP that you just communicated with to get the SSDP response, and there is a chance that you will be talking to the tcp daemon that is the upmp functionality from there it leaks all kinds of information you can find manufacturer model names serial numbers firmware versions capabilities service offerings and then from each of the service offerings you can drill down and find even more capabilities Uh, you can in some cases remotely reboot stuff you can see transfer statistics you can see all kinds of stuff. You can even subscribe to events. Mm -hmm. If you would like to know when this this device does things, uh, you can potentially subscribe to those events remotely and have it ping you when something happens. In this case, the UPnP daemon is exposing uh, the Internet Gateway daemon, I believe it is, but it's it's called the IGD in these services lookups. And this is what allows you to see what UPnP forwards are in place, and allows you to also inject them
1: take us through that injection how does that work and then what would people use that for
0: people would use it for in, in a regular functional safe network they would use it for just like we described with the xbox popping holes in the NAT for certain udp ports or something right in this case you basically just have to craft a soap request you can do it in a single curl command um, in the white paper we actually give some examples as to how easy it is to do uh, and the commands to to potentially do it, or at least the ones we used in our research. Well, people right now are using it for bad stuff. They're they're using it for proxying traffic out of devices they don't own, and we can only assume for what they're doing that for. Hmm.
1: Let's walk through some of the things that people are using this
0: vulnerability for. What, what are the bad guys doing? Well, we don't know. That's the problem. We don't have any honeypots or anything like that currently running to intercept this traffic to see exactly how they're using it? The only thing that we were able to do is kind of passively look at what they've have injected into these devices mm. and then try and draw some kind of conclusion from that, you know. Our assumption is that we're seeing it used for, you know, account takeover, potentially credit card fraud, ad click and affiliate fraud campaigns and and all of these things have potential to make a lot of money. So There is incentive there for them to do that. Um, The only real case that we know that somebody was using it was actually discovered by Symantec as part of an APT group that were running uh, the Inception Framework, is what they were calling it. Mm. And the bad guys were basically storing malware on a WebDAV web service for distribution purposes. So this is just where they store their malicious files. So to hide their own tracks they had chained together multiple upnp proxies so when they were interacting with the web service it would appear to be some person's home router you know some other ip and the reality is that before they even jumped through that ip they jumped through multiple other uh, upnp proxy compromised devices to get there so it's kind of like that meme you see on the internet you know good luck on behind seven proxies right that was literally what they were going for
1: now, if I'm the person whose router has been compromised, would I know that anything was going on?
0: Uh, no, you would have no clue. There's no signs on the device. So for UPnP in general, like I said, it's a, it's an automatic device that's meant to be used by, you know, in an automated fashion from, from one device communicating to another device. There's It's not supposed to be a hands-on human experience. And because of that, there's no way for humans to easily inspect, audit, or manage it straight out of the box. If you log into your router and you start digging around and looking at your NAT table, first of all, the only thing that's going to show up for you in your port forwards are the port forwards that you have put there. Anything that was injected into your NAT table as a port forward by the NAT daemon or the UPnP daemon will not show up there. Um, there's not really a good interface for dealing with that. I, I think there are some tools on Windows that will let you kind of audit a UPnP device. But what we basically opted for was some shell scripts and writing SOAP requests because that was pretty straightforward.
1: Yeah. but but uh, So, uh, again, I'm, I'm imagining if you're someone that this has happened to, I guess part of the vulnerability is that someone could be using your router to uh, to proxy data through. Uh, they could be up to no good, and, and someone investigating that could uh, could end up on your doorstep.
0: Yeah, and that's, that's exactly the, the reason that we wanted to publish this research. When we initially found it, it seemed like it was being used by parties to sidestep censorship efforts hmm. to get access to uncensored information. At first, I was really hesitant to kind of throw cold water on that effort when we started digging deeper into it it was like no no this is much bigger and much worse and the potential for abuse you know what i think what we're seeing now pales in comparison for the potential that this has to introduce to forensic investigations and, and law enforcement efforts so i mean think about it like this i could set up a malware distribution server and i could go around to when we did our basic head count, there were 750,000 of these things that responded to our TCP probes. Mm-hmm. So that's 750,000 potential exit points I can find now. All I have to do is inject one port pointing back to my server into, what, 15, 20,000 of these machines, compile that list of what the IP was and what the port was, and then write that into my uh, loader distribution software so now an investigator that's being infected by this is going to think that we have 20,000 C2s. When they look up at these devices or these IPs that this stuff is coming from, they'll basically have clean reputations. They're all sitting on residential networks, consumer-grade stuff, where you would not expect malware to be coming from. And then you start to draw conclusions. Is it a machine behind that thing that's that's infected? Like, how is it the router itself that's infected? And at the end of the day... It would none of those answers would be true. If you were investigating a potential infection and you were to go knock on a door and ask to see a potentially compromised device, that potentially compromised device would not exist on the network and it would not be on the router itself.
1: Because it is it, it is the router and yet the router itself doesn't doesn't reveal you can't just get in an interface and, and have it reveal what's going on under the hood by design
0: unless you were to explicitly go out of your way to inspect the UPnP NAT table, you would never find the reason. Nothing weird would seem out of place until you looked at the the UPnP table.
1: And so it seems like this would be uh, a good avenue for DDoS and botnets as well.
0: Yeah, yeah, it could. I mean, that's the thing. If we talk about the the distribution of malware, the same conversation could be had about uh, botnets and C2 communications. If I needed to hide my C2 why not stick it behind seven proxies, right? If, if you're jumping through multiple residential gateways to communicate with my endpoint, you're going to be thinking it's some kind of P2P network, you're gonna be thinking uh, some kind of crazy transient uh, C2 and the reality would be that no, it's just one C2, it's just tucked behind multiple residential gateways that, that you don't even know to inspect.
1: Now, if I wanted to, uh, I don't know to to fix this. If, if I was afraid that I might be falling victim to this, is this a situation where I could do a some kind of hard reset on the router and and start from ground zero?
0: Yeah, you could. You could do a hard reset on the router, and as soon as you did that, you would want to go and disable UPnP. The problem is that UPnP is uh, it's a pretty handy functionality for the the land side of, of the device. Before you do that, you should inspect or maybe start Googling around and seeing if your model or manufacturer could be impacted by this, uh, if there's known vulnerabilities in the UPMP stack. We also included in the white paper, there's a small script with a payload where you can point it at your own home gateway and it will attempt to dump the NAT table into a terminal for you so you can actually inspect and see what's in there. And the presence of something being in there isn't scary. It's only scary if uh, you're seeing other people's stuff in there. So, you know, you'll see your 192, 168s, like your torrent clients, Skype inject stuff, WhatsApp inject stuff, like different apps are injecting stuff into this table for their own personal usage, so it's not scary. It's It's just when you start to see internet routable addresses showing up in there, that's when something is wrong.
1: Now, in terms of the manufacturers, how have they addressed this? Is is there is there acknowledgement that there's an issue? Have there been any any updates? Do do new models that are that are for sale right now still are they still vulnerable to this?
0: Well, it's kind of a crapshoot. You can't really tell. Hmm. Um, the disclosure happened in two thousand six, which gives us plenty of time <laughs> to actually fix the problem. And in just our, our quick and dirty headcount of device models, manufacturers based on the information leakage from the UPM proxy, uh, the UPMP payloads that came back, we identified like 72 manufacturers and 400 models. Some of those manufacturers came back in dispute, and we were like, okay, well, let's dig deeper into this and, and make sure you're wrong or, or right, or vice versa. Mm-hmm. And we actually started digging up more models for some of those manufacturers that we didn't even notice in the first pass. So there's actually far more devices that are vulnerable than what is listed in the actual device section of the paper because of you know time constraints and needing to get this paper out. I, I wish I could say that there was a lot being done about it. Um, some of the manufacturers have come back and, and said that those devices are not vulnerable. They've tested them. But the fact that we were even able to identify them from Internet-based scans would suggest otherwise. I haven't heard a whole lot about them rolling out patches or notifying users or anything like that.
1: From what you've been able to examine, from what you've been able to gather with the research that you've done, how widely spread is this problem? It, should, I, should I assume that my home router has been compromised, or, or is it uh, something that's, uh, you know, there's so many routers out there that it's few and far between the ones that have actually been infected?
0: I mean, you, there's millions upon millions uh, of, of home routers out there that don't have this problem right i believe in the paper we said that when we started the scans it was about 4.8 million that were identified via the ssdp leaks of that 4.8 million 750,000 responded to tcp probes and of that 750,000 65,000 were found with injections that pointed to internet routable devices or ips so that's not to say that only 65,000 of them were vulnerable 750,000 of them are potentially vulnerable, 65,000 were actively being exploited. There were others where we we were able to communicate with the daemon, but there was nothing in the NAT table that suggested anything suspicious was going on. It looked like just regular 192.168 injections from devices living on the LAN. So you're talking a small percentage of the overall footprint, but it's still a significant number uh, if you're trying to defend against it. And it's still significant if it's happening to you. You know, if the FBI comes knocking on your door, right? You're not going to care how many other people it's happened to, <laughs> you know? <laughs> right,
1: right, right. You should keep a copy of uh, this white paper, uh, <laughs> printed <it> out, <laughs> and sitting next to your router, right? Just in case. Exactly. Yeah. All right. Well, I mean, it's an interesting story. It's it's um, it's one of those ones that I guess is to be continued because um, it's happening. It's hard to defend against. Uh, so we'll, I guess it's one of those ones we'll have to see how it plays out.
0: It, it's, it's, uh, I guess, f- for you,
1: frustratingly unresolved.
0: It's frustratingly unresolved, and it, it's one of those topics where I feel like we need people looking at it. We need people to know it exists, but we also risk stoking the fire of uh, adoption by even mentioning it. You know, I think it's important for, for forensic investigators and, and law enforcement and stuff to know that this capability exists and to know to look for it when they're dealing with their investigations. Um, But from the DDoS perspective and from the the Black Hat Proxy perspective, from the carding perspective and the account takeover perspective, it also presents a a serious threat that I don't know if we've actually seen it really leveraged yet.
1: Our thanks to Chad Seaman from Akamai for joining us. The white paper is titled, UPN Proxy, Black Hat Proxies via Nat Injections, and you can find it on the Akamai website. And now, a word from our sponsor, Six Sense. SixSense provides award-winning cloud-based automated endpoint and vulnerability management solutions to streamline IT and security operations. To learn why enterprises choose Sixth Sense, visit SixthSense.com. The Cyberwire Research Saturday is proudly produced in Maryland out of the startup studios of Data Tribe, where they're co-building the next generation of cybersecurity teams and technologies. Our amazing CyberWire team is Elliot Peltzman, Peru Prakash, Stefan Vaziri, Kelsey Bond.